Do you, know, do you know what band this is? No, what is this? Adam. This is the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It doesn't the, even sound the like them, though. Huh? Quintessential rock records of all time. Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Blood Sugar Baby. I've been listening to a lot of them recently. They've been coming up on Spotify. Like, uh, was it Danny California? Yeah, that's Stadium Arcadium. This is and I like stuff. the song Snow. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ayo. Ayo. Yeah. I, I don't got know that why. A-O. It's so catchy. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're catchier now these days. I've been listening to them like... and you 2 way more than I ever thought you I would. You 2 I yeah. hate them still because I have that stupid free album on my phone. Well, I yeah. can't get well, it that's, off. That's why I like it because when I don't have internet, that's the only music I can listen <laughs> oh to. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll never, ever support you 2. <laughs> what kind of intrusion is that? That's, I, that's overreach. I, I think it was the greatest marketing bit of all time. I know. <laughs> I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, covering the ACC for the Richmond Times-Dispatch, it's Mike Barber. What's going on, Mike? Good to talk to you again. Absolutely. So we heard the news from Bill Roth earlier today on the Cowan Gates Hokies update that Grant Wells has been named the starter. Do you like that decision? Yeah, I think that was always where this was headed. And, you know, Grant's got a second year in the system. And, um, you know, the coaches have praised his play in practice. They've called him one of the most accurate quarterbacks they've worked with. Uh, It's just a matter of getting that to translate to the game field. And you kind of always sense that while certainly they want some competition and certainly uh, Kyron Jones, the transfer from Baylor, may add some things athletically, uh, Wells is the quarterback that they're trying to build this offense for. Yeah, I mean, experienced, yes, but I look back at last season and I didn't find that much success. Do you agree with my take that Drones has the higher ceiling? You know, I don't know if he has a higher ceiling in this offense. I think he's going to have something that he has. I'm expecting that they're going to have a package that's for him, and it's not going to be one of those um, that you don't see that often. I think he's going to get drives. He's going to get series and games. But, you know, there were times at Marshall that Grant Wells looked – like a really effective quarterback in this kind of an offense. And when I say this kind of an offense, I mean an offense that wants to establish the running game and and then take some big shots downfield uh, in the play-action game. And, you you know, the the problem a year ago was they struggled to run the ball. I think they asked him to throw it more than maybe they want him to be throwing it. He tried to force some things that weren't there because they weren't playing well. They weren't scoring a lot. He'll be a better player as long as the offense around him is better. It's uh, I don't know that he's the kind of quarterback who can elevate a, a bad offense to being a good one, but I think he's the kind of quarterback who can, when surrounded by the right pieces, be part of a good offense. It was a disappointing 2022 in Blacksburg. The offense struggled. Uh, you know, they couldn't really run the ball, couldn't throw very often. Uh, but defensively, they failed to get stops and couldn't force – turnovers last year uh just nine takeaways five fumbles four interceptions in 11 games only louisiana monroe forced fewer turnovers than the Hokies. they've got to improve in that category this season 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a reason to believe that they're going to be better defensively this year. You know, you mentioned they were pretty good for most of the games, and then they seemed to wither in the fourth quarter. Well, they're deeper this year. And again, it goes back to that offense and running the football. I think they're going to be on the field for fewer snaps. When you're on the field for fewer snaps, you're fresher, you're more explosive, you're more likely to create the big plays that, that lead to turnovers, uh, have a better break on the ball, do a better job of getting to the opposing quarterback, putting pressure. Uh, so for all those reasons, I, I think this defense, is, which I thought was pretty good, though it couldn't hold up last year, I think this defense is poised to, to make another jump this season. Mike Barber with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Mike, have you heard any news in the last few days about conference realignment, or has that talk kind of died down with the season upcoming? I don't know that it's completely died down. In the ACC, there's going to be an athletic director's meeting tomorrow. Mm. Um, it's guaranteed to be one of the topics. There is no – I talked to a couple sources. They said there's, there's no pending vote. Uh, coming on this, whether it's Cal, Stanford, SMU, or, or any other uh, schools, um, but it's still very much a live and viable topic. And you know, I think a lot of people are, are thinking, okay, once we kick off with some games, things are going to die down. And I don't know if that's true. I, I think there are still uh, enough presidents and ADs who are mulling things at this point uh, that this topic is going to continue through the season. Mike, I'm wondering, who do you believe will be the second-best quarterback in the ACC this season if we're agreeing that number one is Drake May? I, I think it's fair to agree there. Um, it, it's an interesting group of candidates behind him, right? We were just talking to somebody the other day about my, my Heisman odds and you know where, where I was thinking, and, and we got a long time to go before I got to cast that ballot. Mm -hmm. But if Florida State delivers, and, and they are what we think they could be, you know, where does Jordan Travis fit into that? Uh, I think he's a guy you're going to keep your eye on. I think the real name to watch there, though, is at Clemson with Klubnik because yeah. this is a this is a guy who I think the thought was he was the next great quarterback in that Clemson line, and, and I don't know that there's any reason not to to still believe that. Um, Clemson's the favorite in the league. I think there's a chance he'll be the best quarterback in the league, uh, even on upsetting uh, Drake May. Um, I have some questions about the cast around. Uh, May at Carolina. So to me, you know, Klubnik's the guy. And then certainly you've got a dark horse in, in Riley Leonard at Duke who surprised everybody a year ago with how good he was. And um, now you have the question of, was that a, a fluke? Was that his ceiling? Uh, or is that a guy who's going to get better? But um, I'd probably rank them at this point. I, I'd go May, Klubnik, uh, Jordan Travis, and, and then Leonard on the outside, you know, coming up that outside post. How are you feeling about that game, Florida State number eight against fifth-ranked LSU, coming up Sunday, September seventh at seven thirty? September, excuse me, September third. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch, and, and you know, it's it's going to be. I think the anointing of Florida State as being back is legitimate, <laughs> right? It's not like the Miami deal where every other year we say the U's back, and they're not really. They just had a bunch of talent. Florida State has built this thing up under Mike Norvell and they've gotten better and better each year and they had big wins a year ago. So I believe that Florida state is the real deal in terms of its improvement in terms of its arc. Uh, and that's going to be a great test and a great opportunity for them to kind of serve notice that, Hey, we're, we're more than hype. And um, yeah, there are a few good games coming up you know, right out of the gate. And that's certainly one of them. 
Mike, I know you cover the ACC for the Richmond Times-Dispatch, but you are uh, very knowledgeable on all the college football programs here in the state of Virginia, and we've been asking all of our reporters ahead of the season, who do you believe will be the most successful football program in the state of Virginia this season? <laughs> so how do we measure success, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I think that probably Virginia Tech and JMU – are the two that, that you're going to look at there. Um, again, it, it's how you measure things. Uh, JMU technically isn't eligible to play in a bowl game. I know they have some some avenues, so you can't go by that. Virginia Tech, I, I think I, I've said before to you that I think a bowl game, six wins might be their ceiling. Uh, where does Liberty fit in uh, under Jamie Chadwell now? Uh, Old Dominion, I, I still think, has some work to do as, as they're kind of rebuilding under Ricky Ronnie. Um, it's it's going to be really interesting. Obviously, UVA, I think, is, is a year away from, from really being competitive. But um, I was just talking to an AD in the conference about it, it would just be fun to have more Commonwealth games, right? Yeah. Uh, more uh, Virginia Tech, UVA taking on JMU, ODU, Liberty. And we get that, you know, opening week with Virginia Tech and, and Old Dominion. Um, and, and obviously, UVA has got JMU in week two. So we'll get some of that early on. Um, I think it's really fun to have now five FBS level programs. And it happened quick, Adam. It wasn't that long ago that it was just Tech and UVA. Uh, and now we've got five competing at that level. Um, it makes for a lot, of, a lot of interesting talk. And I think some of that talk would have more fuel and, and have more validity if these teams hooked up head-to-head more often. And um, I know my colleague David Teal just wrote about JMU's desire to get some of these opponents on their campus, Tech and UVA, to to bring them to Harrisonburg. So it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds in the years to come. And you and David Teal have a podcast. When's the latest episode come out? So we just had one come out uh, last week, I guess, with ESPN's David Hale. We broke down conference realignment, how it relates to the ACC. Uh, and then we'll be having another one dropping here early next week as we start to preview the season for, for Tech and UVA. And uh, then from there, it should be an every week schedule because It's that time of year. We've got games every week, so no shortage of content. Follow Mike Barber on social media, RTD underscore Mike Barber, and read his work at richmond.com. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So we went from NFL to college football. Now take a step down to high school football locally here in Richmond, Virginia. We drive down Richmond Highway with Gary Hess next on The Fan. Welcome back to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, your home for high school football. And joining us every Wednesday at 2.15 for a drive down Richmond Highway is the czar, Gary Hess. What is up? How you doing? And uh, you are ready for another high school football season. I am ready. I am ready. I have an extra week. We're starting games this week, but we don't start until next week. But uh, that doesn't mean we won't have our ear to the ground to see what's going on. The first two games will be Thursday, August 31st, and Friday, September 1st, and they will be airing on WRVA. Let's get in the car and drive. How are the roads looking? Get out of the way, damn it! 
time for a drive down Richmond Highway with Gary Hess, sports director and the voice of high school football in Richmond, Virginia. I understand there's traffic. You need to plan for that. Let's drive down Richmond Highway with Gary Hess on AWOD Radio. So, Gary, I want to start by saying how cool did it? How cool was it to hear this sound played as you walked on stage at River City Roll? That was very cool. It was a great experience. Coach Chris and I had a great time, and uh, mingling with people and uh, and uh, getting to talk to you on stage. The event was fabulous. So. Kudos to you, my man. Well, and I think me, you, Coach Chris, and Lane were a really good foursome there talking high school football. If you missed it, we did post the podcast, our full football season preview show, high school, college, and the NFL from Saturday at River City Roll. But the preseason CBS 6 910 The Fan Coaches Poll is now out, Gary Hess. Yes, so uh, we have a panel of uh, 16 coaches, and then uh, a few of us, you know, Coach Chris and I, Lane and Sean, a couple other reporters. Uh, so we have a, a panel that's in the 20s. And um, Highland Springs, to no surprise, was number one. Got 21 of 22 first-place votes. Uh, and Dinwiddie came in second. So I think we all knew that Highland Springs and Dinwiddie would be one and two. Um, uh, then the rest of the top five, Manchester came in third. Then uh, Thomas Dale, uh, Trinity Episcopal was fifth. Close voting, I think, in those three well, spots. Well, when was the last time Trinity's lost a game? It's been um, the 2021 season. That's what I thought. So, yeah, they um, – But it's because they're private. Some – you know, they, they, there are some people who don't – you know. And it's hard – you know, it's hard to compare. Some people have biases against them because they're private schools and because they recruit. But then again, they all, all the schools recruit to an extent – but they reclassify, you know, you know what I mean by that? Yeah. And then and then, you know, and then it's it's the comparative is difficult because the public schools by and large don't play the private schools. Now, what's great is there are four main pub private schools locally. There's Trinity, Benedictine, St. Christopher's and Collegiate. And those uh there's more and more uh, of the intertwining. Last year, we did a game between Douglas Freeman and St. Christopher's as our game of the week because we wanted to see the comparative. And St. Christopher's is playing a couple of public school teams this year. Collegiate's playing Douglas Freeman. Benedictine is playing Western Branch from down in the Tidewater area. And so we're going to see more of the comparatives coming up as the as the intertwining starts to happen. And we'll be able to do a little better comparative uh, about where, uh, you know, Trinity should, belongs in the pecking order. Uh, I had them uh, a, just a tick higher than fifth. Well, so. the reason I brought them up is because last season, you know, we talked about it. Three teams win this day championship, three teams undefeated. Not the case this season. Dinwiddie, with a tough test in Ohio, they get defeated. Before we get to Dinwiddie, let me rattle off the rest of the top ten real quick. So we got to it. was Holland Springs, uh, Dinwiddie. Manchester, Thomasdale, Trinity, Verina, 6th, L.C. Bird, 7th, Freeman, 8th, Hopewell, and Matoica got the top 10. 22 polls turned in. 23 teams got at least one vote. Mm. So that's what you get in a preseason poll. Dinwiddie uh, traveled to uh, Ohio and played the undefeated state champion from Ohio, who got off to a fast start and was it turned out to be too much for Dinwiddie to overcome. 36-13 was the final. 
Uh, Glenville uh, got the better of it against Dinwiddie, but you know that's a and you know an interstate clash of the titans. Dinwiddie's going to be fine, so uh, fear not for the generals. And now we get to shift gears and see what the Springers are going to do because Highland Springs this weekend travels to Florida to play Miramar in a, in a, in another one of those type showcase type of games. So how will the Springers do against coach Lauren Johnson's alma mater? And I can promise you he's excited to coach in front of his high school coach and uh, with all, uh, you know, so many uh, friends and family down there, it's going to be emotional for him, but the Springers are making it a business trip too. Driving down Richmond Highway with the czar, Gary Hess, the sports director, and the voice of high school football here in Richmond, Virginia. So storylines going into the season, top players, new coaches. Give me what you got. Yeah, there's a lot of things to keep an eye on going into the season. I think the first thing is the playoffs. How will the playoffs look different this year? You know, Highland Springs is a great example. They've been in Class 5, you know, for, you know, they've won – out of six classifications, they've won five Class 5 titles, you know, since 2015. Well, guess what? The Springers are now have moved up to six. Yeah. And that means dealing with freedom out of, out of Woodbridge, potentially. Oscar Smith, Thomas Dem. They got a whole new group of teams that they are going to see come playoff time. With Highland Springs vacating that 5C region, who will be the top dog in 5C? Manchester, I mean, Matoica's in that group, uh, L.C. Bird's in that group, Midlothian, Hermitage, uh, others, Louisa County, who's a power, moves into that group. So how will that dynamic uh, be changed as well? Uh, that's one of the storylines. With Highland Springs moving up, who do you think becomes their new rival this season? I think, well, here's the thing. Highland Springs, Verina is Highland Springs' top rival, regardless of the situation. That is their rival. Uh, and even though Verona's a D4 team, that's a backyard brawl kind of game. In terms of regionally and playoff-wise, the team, the teams you got to watch are Manchester locally, and that's the game we have Friday next week, September 1st, Manchester, Highland Springs. They could see each other again in the playoffs. And Oscar Smith from the beach is the other power team in that region that the Springers are going to have to look out for. Uh, you know, as soon as everybody saw that Holland Springs was moving up, immediate thoughts went to Holland Springs' Oscar Smith potentially playing for a regional title. So you begin your first broadcast of the year Thursday, August 31st, but there are games this weekend. Yeah, there are a bunch of games this weekend, uh, including we call it Week Zero. So I'd say roughly half the teams are playing this weekend. One of the storylines I wanted to tell you about is, you know, in the 90s, in the early years when I was doing this, uh, when Coach Richard McPhee was at Huguenot, Huguenot was a power school. They were one of the top schools in the area. They made it to a state championship game. They made it to a couple of state semis. Obviously, city of Richmond football has fallen on hard times. The The mantle has been carried by Thomas Jefferson. Charles Scott, the new coach at Huguenot, has come in, has brought some players in with him. There's some excitement and buzz around Huguenot football. And this Friday, week zero, TJ and Huguenot play each other. How will Huguenot look? Uh, TJ has been the top team in city football for a while. So that's a compelling game in this week zero, uh, in addition to Holland Springs Miramar, Patrick Henry, who's usually one of the better teams locally, travels up to Louisa on Friday. That's going to be a game to watch. And then um, 
James River having a, a, a stellar quarterback, L.C. Bird, how will that game go with a team that likes to throw it a little bit against a team like L.C. Bird that never saw a run between the tackles they didn't like? <laughs> so that is some of the Week Zero games, and then we're excited to open against with the Battle of Chester, Birddale on the 31st, and Manchester Highland Springs on the 1st next week. Um, yeah, just – Getting it straight, keeping track of where all the new coaches are, new faces in new places, and uh, uh, getting ready to roll on with the high school football season. We talk high school football with Gary Hess every Wednesday at 2.15. And I'd like to end the segment by asking you, is there anyone you wanted to spotlight this week? You mentioned that there's a lot of new coaches. You know, there are a lot of new coaches, and I'm fascinated uh, Midlothian. Uh, Matt Hutchings built a great program at Midlothian, and uh, – that and he stepped away after this past season, and a new coach has come in there, and uh, they are Phil Gross is his name. He has been away from coaching for a decade, and now he's coming back in. And day one, they had 130 kids, and so there is excitement around that Midlothian program. And can he pick up the baton from what Coach Hutchings did? and keep that going. I'm also uh, fascinated by Earl Kinney, who has been a, an assistant for the longest time in the area, has, has been a basketball head coach, but has never been a football head coach, and is now for the first time a football head coach out at Mills Goblin in Short Pump. How will he do uh, having that knowledge of the West End, having been at Hermitage and Patrick Henry uh, over many, many years? So, uh, those are just a couple of the storylines uh, with new coaches, new faces, new places. Uh, I give a shout-out to my friend Bryce Fritz, who I've served with on the Touchdown Club board. He has been an assistant in the area forever and is a first-time head coach as well at J.R. Tucker. So uh, there's a lot to watch. It's hard to, it's hard to keep it all straight, but we're excited uh, to see what happens as the games start counting come Thursday. Yep, so back-to-back games Thursday, August 31st, and Friday, September 1st on WRVA, and then you move over to 9-10 once the Squirrels end their season. Right, and next week we'll uh, break those uh, two games down a little bit. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate the, the folks here for letting us use WRVA until the Squirrels wrap up their season here on 9-10. Gary, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate Always it. Always great. Good talking to you. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. <laughs> Let's drive down Richmond Highway with Gary Hess on AWOD Radio. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910, the fan now at 105.1 FM. Joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, betting and data analytic. analytic an, am I not pronouncing this right? What is going on here? Analysis. <laughs> Analyst. Analyst. Talking all things NFL. It's Benjamin Brown. What's going on, Ben? What's going on, Epstein? Yeah, sorry, you, you sound like me as an analyst trying to put <laughs> out some other words, basically, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, well, we, we need a Jonathan Taylor update bad here on the fans. So what is the latest with the Colts disgruntled running back? Yeah, I mean, very much, uh, you know, I think a little Jim Irsay fallout, basically, you know, uh, allowing him to kind of explore his own trade options. Unfortunately, 
you know, especially this late in the stage of the game, I don't think there's going to be a ton of interest. So I would be absolutely shocked if the Colts got anywhere close to their asking price. So I do think it comes down to, you know, just how fragmented this relationship actually is right now, whether he does suit up for the Indianapolis Colts or not. But it seems like if the Colts are maybe willing to, you know, sell low on him, he could find a new uh, situation. But Right now, I, I just think probably the asking price is a little bit too much for any other team to pay what the Colts are, uh, you know, admittedly asking, I would say, right now. And speaking of running backs, what's the latest with the Vegas Raiders and their star back, Josh Jacobs? Yeah, I, I think, you know, this is another situation where we, we're very much seeing a line in the sand kind of drawn with these um, with these running backs. You know, obviously, like, they feel underpaid and, and, you know, in a lot of ways, rightfully so, given what they have to kind of shoulder from an NFL perspective and taking so many hits. But this is very much the direction that the league has gone. The analytics approach has very much been, like, you shouldn't pay running backs. And we are kind of at the point where they, they kind of need to make, uh, you know, in some ways uh, try and get paid in a lot of ways. But I, I don't think, like, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think the league has shifted too far in one direction. We do still see some of these running backs, I would say, drafted higher than what we would project. But actually getting that second deal is just not something that a lot of teams seem willing to do right now. So I think at some point Josh Jacobs gets back into the fold with the Las Vegas Raiders. Maybe there's something that happens where, you know, a couple of these teams swap out disgruntled running backs and maybe give them just a little bit more money. But I very much think a lot of this is going to fall similar to how it did with, with Saquon Barkley, where he ended up kind of renegotiating his, you know, franchise tag to make it just a little bit better, but really probably didn't move the needle whole, a whole lot on what he actually wanted to get compensated for uh, with what he actually ended up getting. So I think at some point, like the, the running backs, you know, particularly Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs are going to come to a similar understanding to what Saquon Barkley did. And I do think that, you know, it, it's going to speak to and continue to kind of trend in the, direction away from what the running backs probably want at this point in time. So I'm not quite sure who could be, you know, any sort of suitor for a lot of these running backs, but it's the same thing we saw with, you know, Delvin cook, Ezekiel Elliott, all these other guys. It's like, there are a lot of crowded running back teams already. And, you know, adding an additional one of the mix, especially this late, um, you know, before week one, just doesn't seem like a really justifiable approach or something that any one team is really willing to do. I would say. Yeah, you're right about there being a line in the sand. It seems like it's RBs versus the world right now, and I'm on team running back. I mean, these coaches, these GMs, they think they can just throw for 400 yards a game and be fine and pick up some random guy and just run him into the ground and then move on to the next guy. I think B. John Robinson will lead to the return of the running back, and you'll see these guys start start to get paid the following season because I, I just think so many teams are going to struggle this season because of the issues that they've got in their running back room. Yeah, I do think there's going to be a lot of, I would say, kind of like litmus tests as far as how that's going to go. But I do think for John Robinson, you know, especially with where he was drafted at, and especially if the Falcons do have some overall team success and potentially win the NFC South, he plays you know, a very crucial role in that. Like, it could in some ways move the needle. I also think how how well Jameer Gibbs does in Detroit, I think he's a little bit more of like this, you know, next generation good from a pass-catching perspective, can definitely win downfield in a lot of contested catch-type situations. I think if he kind of makes his mark as well, and we do see the running back position in some ways shift from this, like, early down bruiser mentality to really, have, really having a guy that, you know, can win at all levels of the field from a receiving standpoint, can split out wider in the slot. I, I think that sort of thing is really what's going to 
maybe elevate the running back position to the point where they could be compensated fairly. But I think you are going to need a three-down back that can not only win between the tackles, but can also win from a receiving standpoint in order to really justify, I would say, paying him that kind of money. Benjamin Brown with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Follow him on social media. Ben underscore Brown underscore. Are you watching Hard Knocks? I I have not watched Hard Knocks, unfortunately. I'm more of a, I like to stream them all at once sort of thing. So I'm going to wait until we get the, the, the final edition. But I heard it's, I heard it's underwhelming, but I do need to watch it because one of my uh, good friends is actually, um, you know, and, and former colleagues at PFF, Arjun Menyon, is actually a, um, a, a, a data analyst intern there. And I think he's gotten some a little bit of screen time as well. So I need to watch it just to, you know, hopefully make fun of him a little bit and stuff like that. But I haven't checked it out too much. There's a lot of, I would say, you know, really good football-related or football-adjacent type content that we've been, uh, you know, very much blessed with. But I think the next thing I really want to get through uh, is the Florida Gators documentary on Netflix, Swamp, whatever it is, or something like that. Uh, I very much think that's going to be the next thing that I really tune into, I would say. Yeah, I think it's called Swamp Kings. We were talking earlier. I'm not happy about Netflix because with Florida and Johnny Manziel, I mean, these are two programs that went through – Uh, something that shouldn't be positive with Johnny Manziel, you know, basically doing NIL before NIL existed, taking so much money and everyone think it's oil money. And then with Florida, they had a murderer on the team and we're hyping them up right now as if he was a great guy. And so I'm out on those two documentaries right now, even though I did watch the Johnny Manziel one, but I'm all in on hard knocks and the New York jets because Aaron Rodgers is just so entertaining and I, I kind of think I blame myself in the media that we jumped on him all of last season when he came out and he said, oh, I'm doing ayahuasca. The guy might be crazy and on drugs, but he knows the NFL and the quarterback position more than anyone in the league today now that Tom Brady's gone. And it is awesome to see him break things down. Yeah, I actually agree with you. Uh, you know, obviously he's a guy that's gotten a lot of hate for a number of different off-the-field type things, but I think that that's a team that is really set up for long-term success, and I do think that, you know, specifically Aaron Rodgers was kind of the missing piece to what could easily get them over the hump, and I would not be surprised whatsoever, I would say, to, you know, see them kind of as that secondary team in the AFC really challenging the Kansas City Chiefs to potentially get into the Super Bowl because I do think they have a complete roster you know, kind of outside of the quarterback position last year. And it is really cool, I would say, um, to kind of see him kind of develop some of those relationships with some of the younger players, you know, that are in the fold for the New York Jets. So I'm bullish on them, and I guess I very much need to check out Hard Knocks to get kind of the the, the, the behind-the-scenes uh, insight on what, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I would say, is providing in that quarterback room and in that locker room, I would say. Yeah, definitely. It's Benjamin Brown with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. And I, I think it's safe to assume that Ben Brown watched the most exciting preseason game of all time Monday night with the Commanders snapping the Ravens' 24-game win streak and slinging Sammy Howell, tossing effing rockets across the field. What did you think of my QB1? Rocket right there. <laughs> I, I mean, he's, I, I honestly, I would say I, I'm not that surprised. I think he's a guy that I definitely wanted to buy into even coming out of North Carolina. Like, I was shocked to see him slip down to the fifth round. So, I very much think this is kind of a statement-type year for him. And I do think that, you know, Washington in particular has a lot of young, intriguing pieces along that offensive skill, you know, in their skill, in their skill position room, uh, you know, especially at wide receiver. And I very much think that they could have a successful offense. So I know we heard some grumblings about, you know, Eric Bieniemy and and some locker room discontent, but I, I very much think that they are kind of, 
you know, uh, uh, I would say a farther ahead of schedule than what people, uh, you know, predicted. And I think that very much showed out, especially in the second quarter um, of this preseason game. And I very much think that, you know, they might not get up to the level of the the, the Cowboys or the, or the Eagles this year, but I very much think there's a spot, especially if you think the NFC is as bad as I do, uh, where they could potentially make the playoffs. And I think that would be a huge win in, you know, Sam Howell's first starting season, second season in the NFL. Uh, and I very much think he has the talent, I would say, to do that. So I, I think it's exciting. I know that the people might say that the hype is, you know, running rampant or a little bit too much right now, but I'm fully bought in. And I very much think that, the, you know, the Sam Howell-led Washington Commanders could make the playoffs this year for sure. That is a f***ing rocket right there. Yeah, I mean, he's just slinging it across the field. And I think our offense is going to be a lot better uh, than people kind of imagined going into the offseason. Jahan Dotson looks great. Brian Robinson Jr. is going to rush for 1,000 yards, I believe. I'm really excited. Ben, great stuff, man. Really appreciate you taking the time to join the show. Yep, sounds good, guys. Have a great show. We'll talk to you later. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So I went down a movie wormhole last night. I've got to get into it. I am all in on another guy named Adam. Adam McKay. That story coming up next on The Fan. Your home for AWOD Radio. Every weekday from noon to 3. On Sports Radio 910 The Fan and 105.1 FM, AWOD Radio. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So last night I went down a movie wormhole following the career of director Adam McKay. And that is the lead story here on Netflix. Netflix, the best of streaming services, TV, movies, books, podcasts, and more. We've got you covered on Netflix. All right, Adam McKay, this guy is a comedic genius. So you're not uh, aware of him, Zach? I watch things. I don't care who directs, who stars. I just want to get lost. Really? I want to, yeah. I just See, want for to, me, the my... director is a big thing. Oh, is it really? Yeah. So I'm going to go through Adam McKay's film directory here so you just can get the picture, all right? Yeah. Um, I want to take you back to 2004, a movie by the name of Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. You had your Burgundy shirt on yesterday? 2006, Talladega Nights. Great movie. 2008, Step Brothers, which is what I watched last night when I was in this wormhole. 2010, The Other Guys. Um, 2012 Anchorman 2, The Campaign, Get Hard, uh, which was um, Will Ferrell and uh, Kevin Hart. He did The Big Short and Don't Look Up. So if you're noticing the theme, the theme is he works well with Will Ferrell. And the two teamed up to start a production company 15 years ago. And they worked on all these unbelievable movies together some of my favorite movies of all time. Like I was saying, I was in this wormhole. I rewatched Step Brothers. Then I started Anchorman. And then I went, I was like, I'm tired of that. I went to The Other Guys. All these great movies. What's that The Other were, Guys again? I'm on is, board with everything else. It's um, Will Ferrell alongside, um, what's his name? Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Oh, okay. That's the one like where The Rock's in the detectives. movie and then he dies. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Adam McKay wrote and directed these movies alongside Will Ferrell. Well, He's not working with Will Ferrell anymore, and I was reading about this. It's an old story, but there was an update 
in early August about why Adam McKay revealed him and Will Ferrell split and their production company is no longer a duo. What? He said it ended not well. Of course, he's getting a lot of run because of his 2021 movie, Don't Look Up, which is on Netflix, which is, I think, hilarious. Um, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and, and Jennifer Lawrence, a few other people. It's basically, uh, you know, a comet's about to hit the earth. Oh, yeah, right? that's right. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Some people didn't like I thought it made me laugh so hard, right? So I watched that, and I got into this Adam McKay wormhole going through some of his great movies. Like, Talladega Nights. It's one of the greatest comedies ever. Dear Little Baby Step Jesus. Step Brothers. Yeah. So many iconic moments. Anchorman, right? I mean, the list goes on. And so for the better part of basically two decades... Director Adam McKay worked with the comedian Will Ferrell, and the two uh, teamed up to write such unbelievable comic favorites. Well, in 2019, they released a joint statement that they would always work together creatively and would be friends, and they recognized they were lucky as hell to end this venture as such, but their production company would split. Well, the article that I read that came out in early August, McKay explains... What went wrong with Will Ferrell and Adam McKay? And what's interesting... I don't think I want to know. No, it's actually kind of juicy. All right? Will it, Ferrell's such a good guy. I think Will Ferrell has lost his fastball. Really? Look at the last few Will Ferrell movies. Has comedian Will Ferrell lost his fastball? He will star in Strays, right? We talked about that the other day. That dog movie. But his last few have been bust. He did Spirited with Ryan Reynolds. Lame. Eurovision was a total bomb. He has a small role in Barbie. That just seems like a cameo for money. Holmes and Watson completely stunk. Mm. And that was the guys from Step Bros back together again. So here's what went wrong. McKay was hired to direct the HBO limited series about the Los Angeles Lakers winning time. And because it was his production company, the role immediately went to Will Ferrell. And Will Ferrell was supposed to play Jerry Buss. What happened? Those inside the production company, and McKay included, all decided that he didn't fit the role, saying, quote, Farrell just doesn't look like Jerry Buss and does not have the vibe of Jerry Buss, the longtime owner of the Lakers. You know what happened? He didn't end up hiring Will Farrell. Instead, they got John C. Riley, And John C. Riley oh. was the one that told Will Farrell because McKay didn't handle things right. And, and should have absolutely told Will Ferrell, hey, we're going to go in a different direction. Will Ferrell heard from his best bud, John C. Riley, immediately called McKay, cursed him out, and basically the two haven't spoken since then. That's like your boy or your girl cheating on you with your boy. With your best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. With your stepbrother. So now <laughs> C. Riley's probably in it too. Oh, he's awesome in the, in the, well, no, he's, in the movie or in the show. He, there's probably drama... Between John C. Yeah. Riley and Will Ferrell as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. It just sucks because I didn't realize how great of a director Adam McKay was until I looked. And it's basically nothing but hits. Like, he is involved in smaller movies, too. 2010, The Virginity Hit. Mm -mm. It's so funny if you haven't seen that. Uh, the Goods, Live Hard, Sell Harder. That's with uh, the guy from Entourage, Ari Piven. Did uh, he Jeremy do Walk Piven. Hard with uh, C. Riley? No, but oh, but that... that that was in my wormhole. I'm going to watch that. He did Tammy. Um, okay, he, so my bad. Comic genius. Comic genius. I was unaware. Com I mean, but that's the question, though. Does he deserve the credit, or is it the the comedy comedic acting of Will Ferrell, right? Oh, it's Ferrell. I mean, he was a box off, proven box office winner. Right. Amazing on Saturday Night Live. But now that Ferrell doesn't have McKay, 
He's kind of stunk the bed up. Is that is McKay Farrell's That's muse? That's kind of my hot take. Hmm. My hot take is that without Adam McKay, Will Farrell's lost his fastball. Jeez. He's going to too many uh, L.A. Kings games. I mean, I'm just wondering, can you name a movie that Will Ferrell has starred in that's been successful in the last five years? Does he have to, though, anymore? Guys hammering checks from just the elf. Right. And super bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or not super bad. um, Super pro. Super pro. Yeah. Semi-pro. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That was one that they didn't work together in. I don't know if he needs to make a a statement film. I mean. It's safe to say we won't be getting Anchorman 3 anytime oh, soon. No. <laughs> and I just loved Anchorman so much. And Anchorman 2. And the um, that's the other thing about Adam McKay. He does a great job getting cameos from people. You know, like Paul Rudd or Sasha Baron Cohen playing. That... Ricky Bullbitt. Yeah, right. Exactly. You knew yeah. where I was going with that. Yeah. So well, that's, that's a, a shame. shame. It is. It's a shame. And uh, But here's the good thing is that. All the Adam McKay movies are available on streaming services right now. <laughs> and I'm in the wormhole. I just, I'm going to finish the other guys. Then I'm going to move on to Talladega Nights. Then I'm going to go back to the campaign because people sleep on that movie. That's Will Ferrell and Jack, uh, Zach Galifianakis uh-huh. like running for president. It's is that funny. the movie where he uh, Galifianakis is sitting at the desk? Doesn't he play two characters in that yeah, movie? Yeah. And the one guy who like... Who laughs but doesn't smile? <laughs> it's so funny, dude. It's so funny. Yeah, I love Zach Gilfinac's yeah, style great. of comedy. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. NC State guy. Yeah. Anything else we wanted to bring up here on Netflix? I guess we should announce Disney Plus's show, uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka came out. Oh, is that Star Wars? Yep, yep. That's another Star we'll Wars see. show. We'll see. What do you do? Oh, you're still you're just in the Game of Thrones I'm world. I'm still in the game. Yeah. GOT. Season six. I think I'm uh, two episodes in. I'm a little mad at you. Why is that? Because Jon Snow is dead. Well, I, I, no, I have no comment I thought on that. he was going to reign supreme. I thought he was going to rule the North. And now he's dead, stabbed about five times in the guts. Yeah. Jon Snow dies in season six. <laughs> that is a fact. I Whether mean, or not you see him in season seven. What's his poor wolf you know, going to do? Watch. What's his wolf well, going to do? I know. That guy's so sad. I know. But at least you get, you still get the Red Witch. And she is awesome. And she is amazing, whoever yeah. that lady is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> has she been in anything else? <laughs> I don't know. All these Game of Thrones babes, they got to be in other things. Yeah, of course. They're so hot. Yeah, they are. I mean, <laughs> the show's just so good. I'm Adam Epstein. You've been listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105, 1 FM. You know uh, Danny Ruye from Grant and Danny? Yeah, funny Game, Danny. Game of Thrones Mark. He's read every book. Oh. That's your guy. Source material yeah. guy. You know what? Let's call. Let's get him on the show next week. Okay. When you finish season six or seven, we'll get him on to break it down. Right on. Grant and Danny coming up next on The Fan.